talking for, this will be actually our seventh week actually. My, how time flies. We've been talking about this particular series called Determined. I made mention of the fact that when I was studying Old Testament characters, New Testament characters that we're all familiar with, anybody in the Bible that received from the Lord had one thing in common. There was a commonality with everybody, whether it was Old Testament, whether it was Moses, Joshua, Elijah, Elisha, David, Solomon. Then you come to the New Testament. You have the woman with the issue of blood. You have blind Bartimaeus. You have the, the uh, Jairus' daughter, that situation there. Then the Syrophoenician woman that had a demon-possessed daughter. You're going to find that there's a common thread woven throughout these people that received anything from the Lord. And that was their determination and their persistence in, in, in the light of obstacles and roadblocks and adversity. And they overcame those things by working through it. They were pers- they persevered. Amen. Now Jesus said concerning the old the new, the the the, uh, the Jewish people that would be around during the tribulation. He said, "He that endureth to the end shall be saved." He's talking to the Jewish people that are in the in the tribulation. But there's a certain light and there's a certain truth in that. He that endureth even though that's referring to the Jews during the tribulation, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Amen. So what we want to we want to have some stickum power. We want to have some fortitude. Amen. Some perseverance. And uh, we saw last week of uh, this situation. Now we're not going to take the time to read the whole chapter because we did that last week. But we're we're just going to refer to this for the sake of time this morning. But you remember when when Paul and Silas were in a certain area in the book of Acts and. Uh, there was a woman, they were preaching the gospel, of course, and there was a woman that followed them, Paul and Silas, many days. And uh, she would get up and she would cry out and say, these are servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. And the Bible says this, she did many days. Okay? So I don't know how long many days, but let's just say for the sake of argument, it was a month or two months. Okay? And every time Paul gets up to preach, she yells out, These are servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. <laughs> now, what she's saying is not wrong, but it's the spirit, the motive behind it. It's the motive behind it. Are you with me? And Paul, the Bible says Paul was grieved in his spirit. Praise the Lord. And sometimes you know if there's a demonic, if there's demonic activity involved, there's a grieving that takes place. Somebody could say something like, Ugh. It just doesn't feel right. And Paul, the Bible says Paul, now the Bible says this woman had a spirit of divination. Fortune telling. And the Bible says that she brought her masters, she had a couple of masters that she got, she lined their pocketbooks with cash because she was able to do fortunes and she was in the occult. In other words, she was a demon, she was demon possessed. She was demon possessed. And she was possessed with one of the spirits was uh, a familiar spirit, which is, in other words, familiar with how much different details about people, which is fake for the word of knowledge. That's fake stuff. In other words, if someone says, the Lord just showed me you have a $20 bill in your wallet right now. He just told me what your social security number is. That's not the Holy Ghost. That's a familiar spirit. Okay? Just like, you know, if someone has seances and stuff like that and says, Uncle Charlie came to visit me last night. Well, Uncle Charlie's been dead for 25 years. Or someone says, George Washington appeared to me in my bedroom. That's not George Washington. Or Abraham Lincoln. No, that's not honest Abe. That's a dishonest Abe. Okay? That's a familiar spirit imitating those people. That's not really them. Okay? Now, I, I remember back in the day, when I was in my Methodist youth camp, the first time I went on a, a Methodist retreat, and I was the youngest, I, I was in the youngest group. I was in, I think, ninth grade, actually. So you had ninth through twelfth graders, you know, and then some young college students that were there. And uh, it was my first experience at a youth retreat. And I'm just a young whippersnapper. And they, uh, they decided, and this is around October 31st, around that time, and they decided they were going to have a seance. <laughs> I said, I say, what? <laughs> I never knew what that was. 
And they said, you coming tonight? I said, I guess I am. I don't know what this is, but, you know, I was so ignorant of, thank God, you know. I didn't know what it was. We're having a seance. You're going to come. Okay. Now, little did I realize what I was getting into. And so I went to this, uh, this, this old house, this old rickety house that they had part, part of the, this campus where they had this retreat, you know. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, about five minutes after getting in there, man, I'm telling you, I was grieved in my spirit. And they started hypnotizing people and trying to get people to levitate. They had actually someone levitate, okay, where they start floating in the air and stuff like this, okay. And, uh, but, you know, at that time, I, don't, I wasn't born again right then, but there was, a, there was something in my spirit, that, something that said, get out of here and get out quick right now. And I jumped up and I ran out of there, man. <laughs> Praise God. Fear, whatever you want to call it, man. I got out of there, you know. And I thought, they, and the rest of the people, they stayed in there. I don't know if anybody else left, but I know I left. And people started tampering with the, these kind of things. And, and I'll, I'll say all that to say this, that you, you don't want to have a fortune teller. You don't want to go to a fortune teller. And if you've already gone to one, you repent from that. You say, God, forgive me for going to that. Wash me, cleanse me. Amen. And uh, you don't want to be looking into your horoscope and things of that nature. These are occultish things that will open up the door to, to the realm of darkness to function and to operate in your life. Let me give you an example. When I was an assistant pastor in Colleen, Texas, we had people, Fort Hood was there. It's one of the largest military bases in, in the country. I don't know if it still is or not, but back in the 80s it was. And we had people, literally soldiers, and that was the nice thing about the, the churches. You had people from all over the world, all over the country come because they were stationed to be there. Hallelujah, she's healed. She was raised up. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just prayed for you. <laughs> no details, we just prayed, praise the Lord. And uh, so anyway... We had, uh, we had people come from um, Utah that were into Mormonism, for example. And uh, now I had no exposure to these people, but these were honest people. They came and they got saved, you know, and, and uh, into the church they got saved. But they were having demonic manifestations in their house. Demonic manifestations in their house. Because if you know anything about the Mormon church, I mean, they might look like they're believers and I'm telling you, if you get into the core root of what they believe, they do not believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that He's the only way, the truth, and the life. And there's some, the inner workings of the Mormon church, there's some horrible stuff that's there, demonic stuff. And I've noticed the people that try to get out of that religion start having manifestations in their house. Manifestations in their house. Demonic manifestations. Things flying off the, the wall. Pictures falling. Furniture moving. Things like that. Even young children getting attacked. And some of them perishing and dying. Okay? And so, you know, when someone comes to you like that, they're desperate. They want help. But see, those kind of things don't just happen. There has to be a door that's open somehow. There's a door that's open. So I remember one time, fast forward up in this area, I had some people come to our, we were assistant youth pastors in a church here in the inner city of Pittsburgh. And there's a, a family that had something like six or seven kids. They had a big family and they were all young kids, you know. They had them one after the other, you know. And, um, and, and I was just starting out in the ministry, just an assistant pastor in a church. And this couple had come to me asked for counseling, and so we sat down, and we get to talking to them. And I'm like trying to wrap all this together here about this woman who had the spirit of divination. And she had, uh, uh, and by the way, the couple that was in Texas, they got set free. They got set free. We took authority. Now, this couple here had a very similar thing happen. Now, they were previously into uh, drugs, heavy, big-time drugs. And then they came to the church, received Christ, got born again. And, I mean, it was a radical change. However, they had tampered with some things prior to their salvation in the demonic realm and stuff, stuff like that. And so all of a sudden, after they got saved, the very week they got saved, they started having some crazy things happen in their house. Furniture sliding across the room at random, pictures falling off the wall. 
you know, s stuff like that happening that where no one's there and you see this kind of stuff happen. Okay? And so they're freaking out, like, what is the deal? Well, those are demon spirits. Okay? Amen? It's no big deal if a, thing, a chair moves across the room. I can move a chair too. <laughs> Amen? No, I was, I was fully equipped with it. I was ready. The Holy Ghost had me ready for this couple. And I, I said, well, this is nothing. She goes, man, they're, they're like shaking in their boots. This stuff's been happening like this. You know, I said, look, here's what's going on. You got saved. You got born again. There's a demon spirit right now that's, that's upset about the fact you got born again. He's trying to take advantage of you. But here's the key. We have victory and we have authority over demon demonic spirits. And we can cause them to flee from your house and never come back again. They said, really? Now they said, they kind of said it in fear and trembling. You know what I mean? They were believing it, but they weren't. You know what I mean? They wanted to believe it, but they were so new. They were so brand new. Bonafide baby Christians. I love it. Give me some bonafide brand new baby Christians. I just love it. Amen. Don't know anything. And so I said, here's the deal. We got authority in Jesus' name. So in the office, we joined hands. I said, we're gonna, I took authority. We broke the power of the devil. And then they came back a week later, two weeks later, same thing. They said, nothing's happened since we prayed. It's all gone. It's all taken care of. Amen. Now, the enemy can't just come into your house. There has to be an open door. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Do you know that strife opens the door for Satan to come into your house? Strife. Strife's a demonic spirit. Amen? But the good, the good news is, is you have authority to say, no, we're not going to allow that in our house. We're not going to allow the spirit of strife. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Your wife is not your problem. Your husband is not your problem. Your children are not your problem. It's demonic spirits that need to be dealt with and taken authority over. Now, this woman obviously had a spirit of divination that we read about here in Acts 16. And she brought her masters much gain. In other words, they lined their pocketbooks for the fact that she could go up to someone and say, I know something about you. I know something about your future, da, 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 da. But who wants the devil trying to tell your future? He's going to lie about it anyway. He's going to lie about it anyway. And Paul was grieved in his spirit. And he turned to the spirit and says, come out of here in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, that same hour the demon left her. Now they realized her masters, her two masters, her bosses, if, if you will, began to realize their hopes, the Bible says their hopes for gain, financial gain, is now vanished. It's gone. So now they're ticked off. So now they conjure up a lie about Paul and Silas, and they drag them into the marketplace, and they begin to lie about them, tell lies about them, you know, and there's an uproar in the city, all because they, they, the devil was just mad about what happened. And the Bible says they ran off their clothes, they tore their clothes off, and they beat them with many stripes. And then they threw them into the inner prison, the deepest, darkest, nastiest, germ-infested prison. They were not like today. Okay, these are like dungeons, literally. And so they're in there, and the Bible says uh, they were at, uh, in the inner prison, and then it says in verse 25, it says they beat them and so forth. And verse 25 uh, Actually, look at verse 23. It's, it's Acts 16, 23. It says, When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So you know what stocks are, right? Their hands and their feet, they, they're in stocks. They couldn't. You know what I mean? Now you go to an amusement park, you can do that for get a picture taken or something. It wasn't like that. Okay. They were thrust in, in their feet and their hands were in their stocks and their backs were bleeding. And notice at verse 25. Now we're talking about if you want radical changes in your life, you have to do radical things. Amen. And I don't know about you, when the, when the calendar switched to 2018, I thought, I want to see some radical things happen. I want to be more radical. I want to be more on, more on fire for Jesus than I've ever been before in my life. Amen. In 2018, I'm the determining factor. No one else is going to make that up for me. I'm going to determine. I'm going to do this. Thank you, Lord. And I thank God for it. And it says, at midnight, Paul and Silas, notice this, griped and complained in verse 25. Oh, it doesn't say that. 
It said at midnight. Now, granted, remember, they were beat with a cat of nine tails. They're bleeding. Their clothes are ripped off. They're probably cold. They're in an inner prison. Their feet and their hands are in the stocks. And it says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and. Say and. That's a conjunction that connects. They prayed and. Prayed and sang praises to God. And notice this, the prisoners heard them. They were not in a church service. They were not in some sanctuary somewhere. They were not in the temple. They were in prison. Not for peddling drugs, but for preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord. And it says, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. Now, I'm just going to refer to this, but in Psalm 119, keep your place here, but in Psalm 118, I'll just refer to this. You don't have to turn there. If you want to bring it up, Josh, you can. In Psalm 119, verse 62, the Old Testament says, At midnight, that's Psalm 119, verse 62, At midnight I will rise and give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. You see that? There you go. I believe that the Holy Ghost took and quickened this scripture to them to them at the need, at the time of need when they're in, their, in a bad situation. I don't know about you folks, but I've never been in this bad of a situation. I've had people upset at me before, people mad at me before, but not, not like this. Where they rip your clothes off and then they beat you. And they throw you in prison. Have any of you ever had it that bad? No? I believe God puts the worst case scenarios in the Bible to always give us hope. <laughs> because Anything we face is lesser of a situation than that. But here's the thing. The principle that they operated in, that's what the Lord revealed to me, is the principle that they operated in is the same principle that will set me and you free today. I was so conscious of this this past week because I began to realize, no, don't complain, worship. Thank God. Hallelujah. And it says at midnight, I will give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgment. Now, go back to Psalm 16 again. I believe the Holy Spirit quickened this scripture to them. And this was at the literal midnight hour, the darkest hour. And uh, boy, you know as well as I do, how in, the, how, in the, how in the world would somebody in their right mind want to do this? It's not even natural to think, I'm going to praise God. I've been beat. I've been whipped. We'd feel like crying. Wouldn't we? But notice, it says, at midnight, verse 25, that's Acts 16, 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. So in other words, they weren't whispering to one another. Paul didn't look over at Silas and say, Silas, let's praise God right now. Thank you, Jesus. That would have been whispering. But the Bible says the prisoners heard them. The prisoners heard them. So in other words, they weren't self-conscious about what other people were thinking. They weren't self-conscious. Were they? They were not self-conscious. I said they were not self-conscious. Amen? If you're too self-conscious, you'll never obey God. There's three kinds of consciousness. Self-consciousness, God-consciousness, and then there's unconsciousness. Now I'm aware, of, I'm, 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 a, I'm aware of the fact that I'm aware of others that are in this room right now, and, I, and I'm, I'm very conscious of that. Okay, But more importantly, I'm more conscious of the fact that God is here. I know, I, you said, do you see him? No, I don't physically see him, but I know he's here. And you can develop a God consciousness. And even when you're speaking to someone else in the flesh, like here, you're speaking to someone, you can have a conversation with them, but at the same time, you're hearing God speak to you. That's a marvelous thing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Do you know you can, you can actually do that? You can talk to the Lord. You can still talk to someone else. I've had conversations with people and the whole time God's talking to me. 
to try to help that person. Amen? But see, Paul and Silas weren't self-conscious about this situation. They didn't care, or we would say they didn't give a rip. Did you ever hear that term before? They threw caution to the wind. They said, oh, thank you, Lord. I don't know how they did it, but let's just say they're in prison. They're in prison. Their backs are bleeding. They prayed. They prayed, all right, but they didn't stop there. And they what? Sang praises to God. So let's just say they're in prison. Hallelujah, I bless you, Lord. Don't you know there's other prisoners in that, in that oh, I almost said hospital, but in that prison, begin to say, shut up. What are you talking about? You bunch of idiots, what are you doing? You know that that probably happened. They're no different today. People are no different today. But see, they were more conscious of ministering to the Lord and praising Him and worshiping Him. And then in verse 26, and suddenly, say suddenly. Suddenly suddenly there was a great earthquake. Hmm. So that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Now, this is kind of interesting here because now there are earthquakes that will cause devastating effects that are from the enemy, from the, from the devil. But I believe what happened here in this situation is God sent an angel down there and shook that entire prison with the glory of God. And the Bible says not only were Paul and Silas's bands loose, they just came off. Everybody in that prison, their bands were loosed. Say overflow. <laughs> now you would have thought, well, Paul and Silas, they're the ones that are praying. They're the ones that are praising God, so God's obligated to set them free. But here God comes down and opens everybody's chains. Every, let's just say there's 30, 40, 50 people in this prison. Now, you know and I know that if there's one inkling of, of escaping from prison, if a door opens and you have a, there's a clear pathway, you're gone. But not one of them left. <laughs> That's a miracle, isn't it? And now notice verse 27. This is after that earth, everybody's bands were loose. Verse 27. The keeper of the prison wakened out of the sleep, seeing the prison doors were open. He drew out his sword. He would have killed himself. Now why would he have killed himself? Here's the thing. Because these are Roman prisoners. Back then, there was a death sentence. If you let prisoners get out from underneath your care and they got loose, that meant sure death for you. You're not doing your job. We're going to kill you. This is why he's going to fall on his sword and kill himself and take care of it himself. But notice what happened. It says, verse 20, But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. So obviously it was dark. And they called for a light, sprang in, came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? Think about that. The, the, The head of the prison... Falls down on his knees before Paul and Silas says, Sir, in other words, I saw the power of God here. I'm a witness of it. What can I do to be saved? Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And he spake the word of God unto them and all his house. And notice this, verse 33, And he took them that same hour of that night and washed their stripes. And he was baptized, all of his, his house straightway. And when he brought them into his house, he set food before them, and they rejoiced, believing God with all of his house. Now, here's the, here's the head of the prison. The Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. Were they pleasing the Lord? They were worshiping God. Folks, we should never be ashamed to worship God. Never. I mean, even in church sometimes. Amen? But listen, when you have the revelation of what you're doing, there's no condemnation here, but when you have the revelation of you're worshiping the, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, he can, he, can bring a, whatever he, he can bring whatever you need supernaturally across your path to set you free. And here Paul and Silas, they did something and it affected everybody in the prison. The head of the prisoner got saved. And tradition tells us, most Bible scholars believe that the head of this prison became the first pastor here in this church. And I would like to think that all the prisoners became his first congregation members. All these bikers and everybody else. Amen. God loves that, doesn't he? Amen. 
Give me some rough, tough people. Glory to God. Because I'll tell you what, when God gets a hold of them, they're awesome. Amen. They don't have to look all pretty and nice and neat. And white shirt, dark tie, hair slicked back. No, give it, let's take some rough, tough people. Amen. See, it's not what's, it's not what's on the outward appearance anyway. It's what's in the heart. It's what's in the heart of a person. So now the prisoner, the head of the prison is washing their stripes. Now he's feeding them. Just a few short minutes later. Okay? Now I will say this, that this is a really unusual way. And the, the scripture even tells us that the natural man in 1 Corinthians 2, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness unto him. Amen? I remember way back before I even went to Bible school, I started getting a hold of some teaching along this line from Norval Hayes about worship. And the one guy, the one guy that was, his name was Rich, he was going to be my roommate. We worked together that summer before we went to Bible school. We came out of the same church, and this is before I was married. And we, uh, we, were, we became roommates, you know, in, in Bible school in Tulsa. And, uh, and we worked together. We did landscaping together during the summer before we went. And we would, we would talk, we'd fellowship the whole time we were working, you know, and talk about the Word of God. And what, I mean, we were just radical for God. And we decided one day, we're working in, in the McMurray-Peters Township area, and there's a big lake out there. So we go back on our, listen, we're going to take a, we're going to fast our lunch break, and we're going to go back into the woods back there, get away from everything and everybody, and we're going to back there, instead of eating lunch, we're going to worship God for 30 minutes on our lunch break. Right in the beautiful day in the middle of the summer. We were serious about it. So we go back there, you know, and we're, I mean, we're in the midst of pine trees and everything, and we just, we just started lifting our hands right there and there. Praise God. Never had done this before outside of church. And we're like, Father, we thank you. We bless you. Hallelujah. Prayed in the Spirit, you know. And all of a sudden, about five minutes later, we had our eyes closed, and we heard this noise, and we opened it up, and there was three kids standing there looking at us. <laughs> it's like, where did they come from? Amen? <laughs> Don't let us cramp your style. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, they didn't understand, but that's okay. Amen? Now, a good friend of mine that I had the privilege, his name was Jim, and I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord. We went to high grade school together, high school together, and I had the awesome privilege of leading my friend to the Lord. And we were just, we were just best buddies, you know? And... Uh, but I remember after we, got, after we got born again, the greatest desire, now he had a large family. I think he had five, five or six brothers and sisters. No, four. Four of them all together. But we had the greatest, the greatest desire that we had was to see our family come to Jesus. I mean, it was just a burning desire. My family wasn't saved. They were religious, but they weren't born again. And I tried to witness to them. I tried to share Christ with them, but it just it was like all hell came unloosed in that house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It didn't go over very good with my folks at the time. But I praise God because we were in a church like this and we were hearing the Word of God. We were hearing truths that would set us free. So we began to, every Friday night, we would take time and we would go down into my friend's basement and we'd pray. We'd go down into his basement. He had a finished game room downstairs in his basement. And his family was upstairs. You know, he had two brothers and a sister. They're upstairs, and his parents were upstairs, you know. So they didn't know what we were doing. So we go downstairs. This was a Friday thing. Every single Friday, we'd go down there, and we'd have our own little prayer meeting right there in the house, right there in his downstairs. All right? And uh, I hadn't thought about this in many years. And... Uh, and we were, we were just praying. We were praying for our salvation and praying in the Spirit. I mean, God was just manifesting, you know, in our lives. And on one occasion, this is a, on a late Friday night. Now, he had an older brother, a couple years older than us, big, strong football player type of guy, rough, tough guy. And uh, he was as lost as a goose in a hailstorm. I mean, he did not like Christians, Christianity. He, didn't, he ridiculed and barbecued Christian. Do you understand what I mean? He did. And he knew that we were saved. He would always, always 
make fun of my friend, his brother, you know. But we didn't let that bother us. So we're down there praying, and we decide we're going to get on our knees. We're in the basement of my friend's house. We're on our knees, and we're praying. And all of a sudden, we heard the door open up. Boom! And here comes footsteps coming down the steps. <laughs> and we're, uh, we're on our knees, and the first thought is like, jump up. You ever have that happen? They're going to know you're praying. But all of a sudden, we looked at each other and said, no, let's just stay right here. Let's just stay right here. So we're down there. We're praying. <laughs> Never forget this. And my friend's brother, his name was Denny. He came down. And he looks at us. And he, he kind of snarled. And he goes, look at these idiots. He kind of said that. Look at them. He gets out in the garage, opens, opens the garage door, and goes out to the nearest bar and grill. You know? But we looked at each other and said, nope, we don't, we're not going to let that, we're not going to let that phase us. Now, fast forward a year or two after that incident here. Now, we're praying. We didn't say anything to us, to him. He certainly didn't say anything back to us. We're claiming his salvation. We're claiming his salvation. One by one, his brothers came to Jesus in a radical way. His one brother was actually in a bar and grill. He was in a bar downtown on Liberty Avenue when it was really a rough area down there back then. And he's in a bar down there, and some guy that he went to high school with came in off the street, saw him in there, hadn't seen him since high school, this, this guy is born again. He got saved. And the Lord sent him, for some reason, sent him into that bar. And he saw my friend's brother in there. Okay? And, uh, you know, these are rough characters. Okay? This one brother was actually shot. He was in a place where they, he actually survived. He had so much body weight that he survived. He, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was shot. He survived. Okay? But he walked into this bar Witness to him, he got the worst brother out of the two, got saved, got born again. It was miraculous. Got born again, radical change. Now, this is on a January night back in this, I think in 1976. Remember those back then, how cold it was? Remember that? And, um, and I'm in my, I'm a, you know, my bedroom was behind the kitchen at that time because we had my, my baby brother came on the scene. They kicked him out of that bedroom, built another bedroom downstairs. And we hear bam, bam, bam on the door. I go to the door. It's my friend, Jim. And he's, he ran up from his house. That's a miracle if you knew my friend because he didn't run. And uh, I go, whoa, what's going on? He goes, come here. I got to talk to you. So he came, I said, come on in. He told me, he says, my brother just got born again. And he told me what happened. Now, both of those brothers are in heaven today, okay? They're in heaven today. But that whole process started. My family, I'm telling you, I started sharing the gospel with my mom and my dad, and it was like World War III broke out. Because they thought, we t- didn't we teach you well enough growing up in the United Methodist Church? I wanted to say no, <laughs> you know? And... um but we just kept praying, take an authority. Take authority over those blinding spirits right now. Do you know you have authority over blinding spirits? The God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. But you and I, folks, we have authority over those demonic realms. Amen? When my parents came in from a retreat they came in and they were smiling at me. They went away for a couple of days and I thought, what's unusual about this? I remember this like it was yesterday. My mother's name's Sally. My dad's name was Vaughn. He's in heaven now. They didn't know Christ. They had religion, but they didn't know Jesus. And they went to this retreat. I don't know what it was all about, but it, apparently it was, a, it was a, my dad was a police officer, Okay for the city of Pittsburgh. And they had gone to a retreat, and there was, it was a Christian branch of the 
police officers, you know, that they were invited to. And here they ended up getting born again. And they came in. And I'm sitting on the couches in the middle of the summer. And they looked at me, this big smile on their face. They said, and they started crying. They said, Keith, we understand what happened to you because we received the Lord. And I thought, wow. And they were transformed. My parents were transformed. That I thought about, I wasn't even going to share this today, but I thought about what would have happened if I would have just been so conscientious about what they thought, what's going on then to make me look good, you know what I mean? But you know, we just kept pressing through. I don't know why we did it. We just did it. We just, we're just crazy enough to do it. Just do it. Worship God. Thank God. Pray. Take authority. Believe God. Hallelujah. I still feel that way. Amen. In the light of all looking foolish and stupid, I don't care. Now, sit. Here's the thing. If we're so conscientious about what other people are thinking, we will never obey God. If we're so self-conscious, we'll never obey God. Amen? If I was so self-conscious, I wouldn't even be standing up here right now. That almost kept me out of the ministry, actually, because I was so self-conscious. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know I was doing it, but I was so self-conscious. And when you're self-conscious, you're not God-conscious. But when you're God-conscious, you can stand in front of five million people and it won't matter. Amen? I don't care if there's a hair out of place or this or that. I could care less. Because <laughs> we're going to obey the Lord. You all with me now? So Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. Now, real quickly here, go over to here, and we'll, we'll close here. But in uh, Matthew chapter 21, in Matthew chapter 21, I want to show you something here. I believe the Lord is stirring up the waters in our hearts. The Holy Spirit's like water. He's stirring up the waters in our heart. Because sometimes, even as believers, and I've done this myself many times, we tend to let things slip. We let things slip in our thinking, and we don't, we don't hang on to the things that are most precious to the Lord. And I'll tell you, one of the most precious things to the Lord is our worship to Him and our thanks to Him, giving thanks to Him, being grateful, being thankful, being full of thanksgiving and full of praise. Because when we're full of thanksgiving and we're full of praise... Complaining cannot come out of our lips. Okay? Now look at Matthew 21. Now remember when Jesus cleansed the temple? Went in there and turned over the money changers? <laughs> that didn't make them happy. But verse 13 said, He said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Praise the Lord. Now notice He cleansed the temple. Now, verse 14, is, is, it says, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Notice when there was a cleansing of the temple. Now, your body's the temple of God, right? Now, we are. We are the temple. It says, the, lime, the, the blind, the lame came, and Jesus healed them all. Praise God. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things which he did, and notice this, the children crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna. To the son of David, they were sore displeased. Now that's a nice way of saying they were completely ticked off. They were beside themselves. Because <laughs> the children are now partaking. They don't think children are that important. Now verse 16, Jesus in response said, He said unto them, Hearest thou not what these say? In other words, the children. Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Now keep that phrase in mind right here, because he's actually quoting, now go over to Psalm chapter 8. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Then Psalm chapter 8, verses 1, here's the scripture that Jesus is referring to right here. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who set thy glory above the heavens. 
Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies. Now notice this, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. In other words, bring to a complete standstill the works of the enemy. Do you see the connection between out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? So notice the connection between praise and thanksgiving and stealing or stopping the enemy. That's exactly what happened to Paul and Silas when they were in jail. They prayed and they said, oh, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. At the risk of everybody railing against them, they didn't care. And then God sent an angel down there and shook that prison and set them all free. And then a revival broke out in that prison. Amen? Now, here's the principle right here. Now, go quickly to Hebrews 13. There's one scripture I want you to see here. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. It says this, by him, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, notice this, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not for such sacrifices are God are well pleased. Well pleased. Sacrifice of praise means you do it when you don't feel like it. You worship God when you certainly don't feel like it. When Paul and Silas were in jail, you know as well as I do, they did not physically feel like worshiping God. If anything, they wanted to have a major pity party. Now we have to ask ourselves this question here today, because this is not just a history lesson here this morning, okay? We're not just saying, here's what happened in Acts 16, you know, and so forth and so on. But we have to ask ourselves, how do we take a situation that they operated in, how can we bring it to today? What is today, the 18th of February? Okay, how can we take what they did into February 18th and moving, moving forward to this week, how can we apply what they did? In light of dark situations, they prayed and they thanked God. Thank you, Lord. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go out in front of people and worship God. I'm not saying that. Because most of the time you worship God, it should be in your own prayer closet. You know what I mean? You're driving down the road or something. You're in your house. You're in your shower. You can worship God anywhere just by thanking Him, by thanking Him. And I just feel a quickening in my spirit, a quickening in my spirit this morning that a lot of us have left, we've left the thanksgiving and the praise on the back shelf. And it's time to put it in the forefront. It's time to put it in the forefront of our lives. And we, sometimes we don't even realize it just slips by us and we're not even thinking about it. And we're like, when's the last time I just thank God and worship God? Well, it's been a while. Well, if we keep it in the forefront of our thinking, Father, I praise you, I worship you, I thank you. Now, the earthquake didn't happen in prison until after they prayed and sang praises. Let's just settle that fact right now. Didn't happen. A lot of people want to see the earthquake. They want to see the bands open up. They want to see this, the doors open up. And then they can say, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> right? Anybody can do that. Because it doesn't take any faith to do that once it's already happened. You're like, it's already happened. But it takes faith. Paul and Silas, it, it took faith to do that. For them to pray and to sing praises in the inner prison. When it didn't look like now listen, can you pray and sing praises to God when things aren't looking right? When your family looks messed up? When your bank account looks rough? Right? When you're having situations in your physical body take place? Well, of course you can. Sacrifice of praise. It says it's well-pleasing to the Father. I'm fully con- I am fully convinced that, you know, there's, there's cause and effect, action, reaction. Cause and effect, right? You do something, then something else happens. Okay? In, this, in the spirit realm, when you say, Father, I, now it didn't take very long to do it. We're not talking hours here. We're just talking minutes, starting out with just a few minutes. 
You say, well, I feel kind of strange doing that. I'm not used to doing that. Get over it. That's a nice way of saying you can get over it. Okay? Don't try to look cool. Be scriptural. <laughs> Amen? Because I'll tell you what, when I face Jesus and he looks at me, I want him to be, look at me and say, well done. You were, more, you were not concerned about what other people thought of you. Now, don't get me wrong. There's times I have been conscious of what other people, but, but, but I'm learning. I'm learning. Can I stand there? Can I go, Father, I praise you. I worship you. The fruit of my lips. That's what it says there. The fruit. And that's why in a, in a service, like when we have worship, that's not just so we can make time for the latecomers to come in. Like jumping jacks. <laughs> Here they come. All right, now we can start. The worship, the service starts at 1030, not 11 o'clock. No, no condemnation here, but I'm saying. <laughs> Amen. I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. Do you understand? I'm not. Judgment starts at the house of God. <laughs> but, but, but in all honesty, like, how much praise do we give God? Now, I'm not saying this to condemn anybody, but I'm saying this to myself too. Remember, Keith, man, you know what? You're not praising God enough here. Amen? I'm not thanking God enough here today. And there's been a few times, that's recently, where I was like, man, took me to the woodshed. Amen. Rebuke myself. Keith, what are you doing? You're being slack with these things. You quit complaining. Start rejoicing. Start praising God. Because, you know, most of us, we get so consumed with our problems. Oh, I'm a, man, we're thinking about it day and night, night and day, day and night. We dream about it, think about it, talk about it. We get up thinking about it. One week goes into two weeks, then three weeks, four weeks, a month. Before you know it, it's a whole year goes by. We don't have to be consumed with our problems. If Paul and Silas would have lived long enough, they still would have, if they didn't pray and praise God, they would still be in prison today. I'm convinced of it. But no matter how dark and how bad your situation is, the devil can't lock your mouth. Can't lock your mouth. Amen? So start doing it. Start praising God. I'm telling you what, when we come together, it should be an outbreak of praise and worship. Where I'm not like a cheerleader trying to get everybody, to, you know what I mean, lift your hands. It's an automatic thing. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you. You'd be so surprised what will happen to you when you become less self-conscious and you say, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, a Holy Ghost presence of God, the, the Shekinah glory of God will rest upon you. Hallelujah. 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 Praise your Father. Let's just take a moment and do that. Father, we praise you this day. We praise you. Lord, we bless you. We worship you and we praise you in this place, Father. We thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We give you glory in this place right now, Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 The Bible talks about speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And the Lord will give you a, he'll give you a phrase, your own phrase. Amen. And it'll just come out. It'll just like, Father, I want to praise you that I am blessed today because of Jesus. I want to thank you today. I've been set free. Jesus, you've anointed me. You've set me free. I worship you. Hallelujah, I am redeemed. I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I've been born of God. I'm washed in the blood. I praise you. I worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. And so the Lord will put a new song in your heart just 
you step out by faith, you begin to do that. Just get a phrase, get one phrase. It doesn't have to be anybody else's phrase. It'll be your own phrase. Amen? And boy, you'd be surprised. You step out in faith like that and you do that by yourself, you know. And the Lord will keep adding to that. And all of a sudden, it'll start coming out in rhyme and rhythm. It's like, I'm not like that. I'm not into poetry or anything per se. I don't have that gift. But there's times I'll be worshiping God and things will come out. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. I am the redeemed. I've been set free. Praise you, Lord. I lift your holy name, Lord. I worship you today. I bless you. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I exalt you, O Lord. I bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, you begin to do that this week. That's your, your assignment this week. That's your assignment this week. You start to tap into that, and you watch and you see what happens. And I'll bet you anything that you're going to start seeing some things turn around here, some stuff you've been standing for. There's going to be an about face. There's going to be a 180. There's going to be a turnaround. But don't let the devil shut your mouth. Amen. The fruit of your what? Lips. The fruit of your lips. That's the sacrifice that's well-pleasing to God. The fruit of your lips. Someone said, you know, Paul and Silas were in jail, but the jail wasn't in them. I like that. They were in jail, but the jail wasn't in them. You can be in the worst situation, but you don't have to be imprisoned by that situation. Amen? Father, I praise you for my children. I thank you, Lord, they're set free in Jesus' name. I thank you for the anointing that watches over them. I thank you, Father, for angels watching over them day and night. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. And you go about your business. Thank you, Lord. Boy, you're releasing some major arsenal in the realm of the spirit of angels to go and to protect those children and to help them and to lift them up. Glory to God by doing that. Did you learn some things this morning? Praise God. You got a double dose this morning for some of you that were here for, for healing school. Amen? Glory be to God. We talked this morning about how to pray the prayer of faith, how to pray that prayer. And well, those CDs will be available next week. Amen? Okay. Pastor Lynn is going to have whoever wants to pray in the, in the kids' room back there afterwards, just for a few minutes. Praise the Lord. And you can join her back there. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this time together. And Lord, I, we just thank you for, for directing our steps all this week, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.